your immune boosting life. Our societal perception of what health is and what choices we need to make are outdated and leaving us vulnerable. There's never been a more important time to upgrade your self-care, enhance your immune response, and optimize your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. My desire is for you to thrive no matter what's going on around you. Gardner. I am a clinical nutritionist and holistic health educator, and today I have as my guest Camille Wilcox, and um, I hope that you'll join us today and stay through. Uh, Camille has a really interesting background because she was raised in a, di- a different way than most people are, so she'll have some, a really unique story, but also we're going to talk a lot about immunity and mindset around immunity, so I hope you'll stay tuned and that will serve you well. So welcome, Camille. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. So I want I would like you to start with your upbringing because you were raised by um, in, in a more holistic mindset, which is just uh, certainly there are some people that were raised in that way, but there's not a lot of people, so it's more the exception than the norm. Yeah. And so I would like you to share with me what that was all about. What was your mom like? What was your lifestyle like? So um, my mother is a master herbalist and uh, was a midwife when I was growing up. And um, I was raised on a dairy farm, and so we grew a garden and raised our own animals. And um, as far as I knew, when I was growing up, every, you know, we just had a very normal life. Um, I don't think I noticed when I, was, when I was young that my friends went to the doctor and we didn't um, for checkups and things like that. Um, I did go to the doctor twice when I was growing up. <laughs> once when I got, yeah, <laughs> once when I got my foot run over by a horse and once when I got, or stepped on by a horse and once when I got run over by a tractor, so. Oh, wow. <laughs> the whole time I was growing up. And it was a very, like, country farm doctor, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he also saw horses in his office. <laughs> so you went for injuries, but you never went to a doctor, not even for, like, yearly physicals or anything? No, we, you know, and my mother also, when we were growing up, was an EMT, um, and so, you know, even a lot of the emergent stuff she could handle on her own. Okay, so I don't know if everybody knows what EMT is, but that's emergency medical technician. Those are usually people that are um, staffing ambulances, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So she had a lot of emergency skills as well. Were there any emergencies at your home that she handled that you remember? I can't think of any. Okay. I can't think of any that I remember. So I imagine that you and your siblings, do you have siblings? Yes, I have two sisters and five brothers. Okay, so you had a big family, and I imagine there was colds and flus and a variety of belly, tummy aches and things like that. So what kind of things would, would happen in your home when people were not feeling well? Or what um, would parents do for themselves when they were not feeling well? Um, so we had, we had two fridges, um, one for, you know, like the food. And then again, because I, because it was a dairy farm, we had a fridge that just had like gallons of milk in it. And, (laughs) and then that was also the fridge that had, um, I would say most of the fridge contained tinctures. So when I was growing up, um, I don't ever remember making the tinctures with her, but there was always tinctures in the fridge. Um, my little sister used to go in and just, when she was 
really little, like two and a half, she would go in and just start, you know, giving herself droppers of stuff in the fridge because my mother learned how to do glycerin extractions instead of the alcohol or vinegar extractions. And so, um, so it tasted kind of good. And my little sister one time was um, going along and dosing herself up with all the different bottles, whatever she wanted until she got to the cayenne. <laughs> and then <laughs> after that, but you know, I don't, um, I know it seems so silly. Maybe it's just because it was such a, such a part of our upbringing. I don't really remember being sick and I don't really remember ever being told to, you know, being dosed up with stuff. Um, I'm sure that we did. I'm sure that we took vitamins and I'm sure that we, um, you know, had tinctures and we were sick, but, um, I don't know. It's kind of, there's that whole, you know, the meme going around that if you were raised like this, then you're, you're uh, immune to coronavirus. I kind of feel like being raised on a dairy farm makes you immune to everything. <laughs> so many interesting points there. So let's, let's hold on to the immunity piece and go back to the tinctures for a minute, because I'm not sure if everybody knows what that is. And tinctures are just um, herbs or plant material prepared in a certain way to make them uh, extract the therapeutic or medicinal properties of them and also preserve them so that they are in easy to consume format. Would you agree with that? Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and plant medicine goes back, you know, to the beginning of time. There's documentation, if the history is correct, that the, the first people on the planet were using understanding the therapeutic or medicinal benefits of certain plants and would use them for, you know, they would make poultices or packs of things that they could put on their skin if they had injuries or infections or take things by mouth, like prepared in that way that would help their bodies heal from whatever was going on with them. So that, that kind of plant medicine goes back in time for sure. So that's really cool that you have a whole refrigerator full of tinctures and that your little sister was uh, potentially dosing herself um, because um, without the alcohol in it, there was no risk to it. It was just just good nutrients. Just good plant medicine, right? Yeah. Good nutrients. Yeah. Other, um, it, it's, it's harder to describe the therapeutic aspects of herbs than it is, you know, everybody knows what nutrients are, but people are less familiar with the phytochemical footprints or the therapeutic values of herbs, but they can be really, really powerful. So mm -hmm. uh, with the cayenne, I love the story about the cayenne because cayenne is really, really hot. So yeah, that's something that most people wouldn't be interested in for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so let's, let's, you made a really great point about saying that you think that, you know, having grown up on a dairy farm, that you're immune to everything. And, oh, how do I want to start with that? Because there's so many different angles. So I think let's, let's start with the germ theory a little bit because we've been raised, most people have been raised in a way to believe that germs are bad. Right. They're going to be harmful and that we need to avoid them and um, be sanitized. And, and there is absolutely some truth to that. You know, we know that the medical world shifted dramatically when we started to understand the concept of germs and they actually started to sterilize instruments and wash their hands. And so they weren't right. taking microbes from the last patient to the new patient. You know, it really it changed the, the healing world dramatically for sure. Um, but we've also... In that, we neglected to cover the fact that a lot of microbes are actually beneficial to our body and actually essential to our body. And as the research with the gut microbiome and probiotics and things of that nature unfolds, we now know that, that there are nutrients um, 
there are microbes that are absolutely essential to our health, including all kinds of bacteria. So not everything is pathogenic. And then moving into what you said about having grown up on a dairy farm and being outdoors, when we were raised in those environments or outdoors all the time, we had our hands in the dirt, we were around animals, we were around a lot of microbes, our immune systems were constantly being activated and being sensitized and developing defenses and fine-tuning, is this healthy, is this unhealthy, and then developing the mechanisms constantly to combat what was potentially dangerous and then to encourage what was super, super helpful. So there mm-hmm. was a whole symbiotic process going on between what we were exposed to and what, how it was affecting our bodies. And we don't have that level of exposure anymore. You know, we live in these sterile environments or we're surrounded by chemicals. Um, so we're not developing that. We don't, we don't have that connection to the outside, outside world in the same way. Most people don't. Yeah. I think it's a really, really interesting concept that, you know, not only was you were, your mom was able to handle things that came that way, but you were also developing your immunity in a much stronger way than the way most people are raised and were able to develop their immunity. Yeah. I mean, we had... Um... I remember just going out and picking a carrot out of the garden and dusting it off and eating it, you know. We we grew a garden. We drank raw milk. Um, it was very, you know, now, um, as knowing what I know now, um, I look back and I'm like, man, I wish I could raise my kids on a dairy farm, <laughs> right? Like, I know it wasn't an easy thing to do. We, you know, it, it's hard work, um, certainly. But... Um, but the value in that, um, just like you said, that exposure to all of those elements and all of those germs and, and all of my siblings are healthy and, you know. Right. Like, <laughs> I think that also is a really important point. So our, our modern lives are easier in some ways. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's go, let's step back for a minute. Um, So if you were raised the way that you were and you were really poor and you didn't have a lot of food, that scenario of being out in that environment with that level of exposure could have actually been detrimental to you, could have all been sickly if you didn't have quality food. But because you had your own garden, you had the raw milk, your bodies were getting nutrient-dense, wholesome foods on a day-to-day basis, that's like the foundation of everything. It's bolstering everything. So then that exposure that you came into with all those microbes, your your body was actually strong enough to to get stronger with those things as opposed to getting weaker with those things. And that's that's one of the things about today is that people don't, aren't aren't putting enough emphasis on is getting back to that. What am I eating? What is the quality of the food that I'm eating? What are the basics? What are the foundational pieces of a strong body? And then when we have the foundational pieces in place, when we get these, these exposures, our immune systems can be more active. They can, they can go to work for us. And then we can do those, you know, adding anything in additional at that time. But those foundational pieces have to be in place. Otherwise, you are susceptible. Yeah. So let's move on until, as you got older, so growing up on the farm, were you in public school? Um, yeah, when we lived on the farm, yes. Um, I was... Uh, well, I, I was homeschooled for kindergarten, first grade through, I think, fourth grade, 
public school, but it was a very, very small community. Like there were 14 kids in my class. I was one of 14. So, um, and then I was homeschooled for, I think it was fourth grade, maybe fifth. And then, um, then went back to public school for sixth grade. And then we moved off the dairy farm and moved to Southern Utah. So, um, so then I kind of, then we did homeschool, um, from there until, uh, when I went to high school, I did like my electives at the high school and then my core classes at home. Okay. So you kind of had your feet in both doors at that time. When yeah. was there a time in your life when things started to, um, really come to your attention that the way that you had been raised and your beliefs and the strength of your body and your health were, were different than most people's? Um, not necessarily um so when i was in high school i had this really great group of friends whose parents were also very crunchy like crunchy right very um aware of nutrition and and practiced nutritional therapy and herbal therapy and and all of those things and so i was really lucky in high school to have you know had that support system of course i still had the you know normal high school girl insecurities of you know, does that boy like me or whatever, but I didn't feel like that I was super different. Um, the one thing that I think that I didn't like about high school was that I was homeschooled for that, you know, for the core classes. I do remember being like, man, I wish I could just go to like math class like everybody else, but I never felt that about nutrition or, um, I remember we used to joke a lot because I think when I was in high school, my mom was a vegetarian and she didn't make us practice vegetarianism, but, um, but we would kind of, we would tease her a lot about it and be like, Oh, we're eating cheese. <laughs> you know. So we were, we were kind of thinkers that way, but, um, but yeah, no, as far as that goes, um, when I was first with my husband, um, that I'm with my current husband, um, I remember when he and I were first together and, um, and he, we had this conversation, we'd been together for about six months and he was like, I just don't know if this is going to work. You're just too weird. <laughs> and I was like, well, too bad. It's going to work. It's going to work. Like we're going to make this work because we love each other. And so we're going to make it work. And we really have. Um, but he was referring to your upbringing and your, ideas. yeah, yeah. So, like, well, what happened was our son had gotten sick when we were at my in-laws' house. Um, my husband was deployed at the time, and um, we had gone to my in-laws. The kids and I had gone up there, and um, and my son got really, really sick, and his tonsils, you know, and, and adenoids were super swollen. I'd never seen them that bad before, and my brain didn't even think about like children's Tylenol or anything like that. Like I didn't even, it didn't even register. I was like, Oh, I need an onion. And so like I and she didn't have an onion in the house. And so um, his aunt brought an onion over and I did an onion poultice on his chest. And it's where you like chop up an onion and warm it up for a few seconds in the microwave to kind of activate that sulfur. And you put it on the chest, wrap it up and then send him to bed. And he woke up and his throat was fine and everything. But my husband called me the next day when I was on my way home and he was like, what did you do? So apparently, as soon as I left, my mother-in-law called him and was just like, an onion. She's like, my house smells like cheeseburgers, you know. And 
so I was like, he was like, you know, my mom has children's Tylenol. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. You know what I mean? So. That is actually a great example. Do you have any other stories about things that have happened? Like where you, like you said, your mind didn't even go to that the medicine or let's go to the doctor. This is, I have these tools and this is what I pulled out. Well, um, there is, so we have a blended family. I have two kids from my first marriage and he has one from his first marriage. And then now we have um, four more together. And so, um, so his daughter um, that he brought into our family um, was like, well, I know now (laughs) and I knew then, but you know, before he met me, he didn't know. She's very, very sensitive to dairy. And she was formula fed and, um, and really loved, she had like a yogurt every day, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. And, um, and she's kind of got a sweet tooth. And so she, um, she ate a lot of, you know, unhealthy foods. And she was that child that had like the tubes in her ears, chronic ear infections. She was like pre-asthmatic. I guess, you know, she um, one time got diagnosed with, you know, pre-asthmatic and all of that. And so we had our child together. And when our, when our little girl, our fourth child, um, was about two years old, uh, she got her first ear infection. She was like two and a half. And I was like, oh, poor little peanut has her first ear infection. And he was like, he like did a double take and he's like, wait, wait, wait. Did you just say this is her first ear infection? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, she's like two and a half. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, Oh my gosh, I think by the time Cassie was two and a half, we'd been in the hospital like 30 times with ear infections. And then he goes, wait, when, when was the last time Cassie had an ear infection? And I was like, well, it's been about two and a half years. And he was like, have any of our kids been to the hospital or to the doctor in the last two and a half years? I mean, like, it was really like, like all of the things were clicking for him, right? All the light bulbs going on. And I was like, no, they haven't. And he was just like, oh my word. He's like, I just can't believe it. I think by the time Cassie was that age, I'd spent $50,000 on doctor's bills. And he just, he just couldn't believe it. It was really, you know, and so that moment was really kind of the moment where he was just like, you do whatever you want. One time, like, yeah, one time a couple of years ago, he was on his way home from a, so for some reason, I don't remember why, but he took a couple of the kids up to a family Christmas party. And then I was down here doing something else. And um, on his way home, he called me and he was, and he said, my cousin's kid had hand, foot, and mouth. And Jesse, our little four-year-old now, he's like, Jesse was playing with her kids. And I just, what should I do? We didn't find out until after we left the party that they had that. And I said, well, okay, you're going to get home before me. But as soon as you get home, I want you to put him in a ginger bath and, um, you know, give him some of the, we have a formula called Propolis Plus that we um, I have to give him some propolis plus and put him in a ginger bath. And he was just like, you know that that doesn't do anything except for make the bathtub dirty, right? And I was like, Richard, none of our kids have gone to the hospital or to the doctor's office in like forever. So I know what I'm talking about. And he was like, you're right. <laughs> and so he came home, put him in the tub. It worked. Yeah, so he was living it but didn't realize it until a couple years in. And then the next time a crisis came up, he still defaulted into that old mindset, like this is out of our control and we need to whatever. This isn't going to work. 
Yeah. But then you reeled them in and reminded <laughs> I was like, just trust me. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it wasn't an emergency situation where you yeah. were putting anybody at risk or anything like that by not seeking immediate medical attention. I think mm-hmm. that's the thing is, you know, some people view people in the holistic realm as being against the medical community, and I couldn't feel more strongly that that, that is not true at all. The medical community is so good at so many things. Yeah. And then there's things they're not good at, which is, you know, where we need to fill in the gaps. And I also think, like you've done with yourself and your family, it's tremendously important for us to take personal responsibility for what we can. And so that, of course, is limited by our experiences and our mindset and our education and our capabilities. But um, we are in control of our own bodies, and that everybody can seize control of what they eat and their sleeping patterns and movement and hydration. And so all of those basic foundational pieces, those are all personal responsibility. Yeah. People can help you with that for sure. And there's lots of great people that can steer you in the right direction when you don't have that information. But it's really, really important. And when you have those foundational pieces in place, then when you get in trouble, it's going to be a lot less severe. And when you're, um, you'll know who to seek. Like when you got injured when you were little, you went to the hospital. When you just had a cold, it was something that could be handled at home. So knowing who to seek out in, in those times is really important. So now that you, you know, your children are not being raised in the same way that you were. You're not on the dairy farm. I'd love to hear about what you do with your kids. Like from a nutritional perspective, do you, do you still have access to good quality food? Is it from farms? Is it from the store? So how do you keep their their general foundational health up so that they are not as um, susceptible to getting sick like they like you when you were explaining about your um, your daughter? Um, well, first of all, we we don't drink milk in our house. I mean, um, we have milk in the house, um, you know, and my kids will put it on cereal or granola, or we use it in recipes, but we don't drink milk in our house. Um, in fact, my toddler, I have him a little bit brainwashed or my four year old, I guess he's almost, he's a preschooler now, not a toddler, but, um, he tells me if he's sick, he'll be like, I can't have any milk or any sugar that will make me sicker. Like, (laughs) you know, so that's just like if people in the house, if somebody is not feeling well, they know no milk, you know, no dairy products, no sugar, you know, just simple things that, um, to make a big difference if you are feeling unwell. Um, we do try to do, I try to do organic as much as possible. I try to support our um, local farmers market and CSA as often as possible. Um, uh, we have been lucky enough because my husband has family that, um, family that has a farm. And so um, whenever possible, we try to get, you know, some fresh beef fresh grass-fed beef, and we hunt, you know, so we have venison. Um, We have currently four four hunters in our family, four that are old enough to hunt. And so, I mean, that's four tags every year, and that's a good amount of venison for the freezer. So um, let's see here. We haven't grown a garden in a couple of years just because life has gotten just crazy with as many children as we have. Um, but we used to, we used to grow a garden and, and process and can and freeze a lot of our own foods. Um, 
when I was growing up, and I've told my kids this, um, and I hope they remember it the way that I did, but I remember my mom saying, you cannot eat dinner without at least one vegetable. Most of the time you have to have two vegetables with your main dish, with your dinner. And that's the way that I was raised. And so that's the way that I am raising my children is, oh, sorry, if you know, um, you know, when we have dinner, I would say we have a green salad with our dinner at least five nights a week and then another vegetable with that. Um, you know, my kids, and the thing is, is that when they were all, when my older kids were little and we did grow a garden, we made it fun so that they would, um, enjoy their vegetables, you know? So it really starts when they're small. You can't, you know, wait until they're eight years old and then be like, Hey, Brussels sprouts, you know? (laughs) Um, and so when we, when we were growing our garden, um, the year that we were blending our family, we had a, let me think, a six-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a, and a baby. And, um, and we would go out in the garden and we would get a bell pepper and cut the top off of it and then fill it with water. And we'd be like, oh, look, it's a cup that you can eat. That's so fun. And so they would drink their water and then eat the cup, right? Um, little things like that, I think, have really helped them to grow up with this you know, a palate that appreciates and enjoys vegetables. Plus, you know, my children were all breastfed and, you know, we all know that that helps, you know, um, develop a flavor palette for whatever the mother's eating. And, you know, I eat a lot of vegetables, so. Right. So you've been raising your kids with good nutrients and focusing on lots of organic, if possible, whenever possible. Um, you mentioned vegetables a lot and properly raised meat, like the wild-caught venison and the grass-fed. Um, and those are important distinctions because some people think they're doing fine because they're eating a few vegetables a day, and that's great. Of course, it's much better than eating, I don't know, just plain pasta or something like that or boxed food. Or, But if you're eating conventionally grown produce and it has a lot of pesticides in it, there is there, there is still a risk to your system there. It's very demanding for your liver and your other detoxification organs to remove those things from your body. It can cause hormone disruption. So, yes, vegetables are a better choice than, I don't know, some packaged, I don't, I don't like I can't even. Right, so fresh is better than canned and organic is better than traditional, you know. Or like, so there's like, yeah, it's like good, better, better. Better than just the frozen pizza kind of thing, but yeah. okay better and and then properly raised animal products as those are really important distinctions and I wanted to highlight that you had said about sugar which is such an important point there's so much I mean so many people are addicted to sugar for one and then there's a lot of hidden sugar in boxed cereals and granola bars and things that a lot of people live ketchup everything it's in everything bottled sauces and sugar is inflammatory to the body mm-hmm. so it causes inflammation it suppresses your immune system and microbes, like viruses, love it. They feed off of it. So when you're eating sugar, especially when you're, you're compromised already and you have a cold or a flu that's actually feeding, giving, giving a food source to the microbes that your body's trying to get rid of. Um, so that that's definitely a, can be a massive problem for people. So tell yeah. me your position on milk, though. You mentioned when the kids are sick, you don't drink milk in your house, but you have it. But particularly when the kids are sick, why nobody, no dairy products? So um, dairy products um, increase the mucus response in the body, right? So you drink a glass of milk and you get that like, 
phlegm in the back of your throat or eat a bowl of ice cream, right? That's the body's response to dairy. And actually, I want to say that um, in the United States, only an average of like one in five people even have the ability to digest dairy properly. And in other cultures, like in Asian cultures, I think it's even less than that. I think it's like one in seven. Or sorry, one in, yeah, one in seven. So, um, so yeah, uh, we do, we do nut milks sometimes. That's what I do. I just um, wanted to I point that out. Because a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of don't do dairy, don't do gluten, and just like blanket statements. And oftentimes people aren't explaining why they're recommending that you don't do those things. So I just wanted to give explanations. And, you know, people can play with that and experiment with those kind of things and see what works best for them. But um, a lot of people do say that dairy is mucus producing, and I'm sure it is for some people. And then going back to that quality issue, organic is going to be a much better choice. Um, right. But almost all commercial milk is pasteurized because it's illegal in many places to sell raw milk and raw milk is a whole, I mean, we could have a whole different, a whole conversation yeah. about raw milk in and of itself. We could talk about enzymes and yeah. 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 Raw milk is a whole different beast and it, it, yeah, it falls into a totally different category. So if, if, so let's just say instead of going into that topic, if, if dairy is something that you're interested in having in your life, I would um, encourage you to do the research to find out, what the rules are around raw milk in your state and see if you can get some if you're interested in tying it because it, the body responds to it very, very differently. And yes. it's very antimicrobial as well for some people. Of course, it has to be raised properly and all of that kind of thing. So really interesting conversation. Okay, is there anything else about the way that you raise your children that you would want to share just um, that you think, uh, particularly in light of the current situation that we're in with the you know, we're several weeks into the first confirmed cases of the coronavirus, and it's um, massively spreading at this point in time. There's a lot of fear and panic and uncertainty. And um, so I'd just like to know how, what your personal response is and if you've changed anything in the way that you're eating or what you're doing in your home or what you're feeding your kids or what you're sharing with your children about this epidemic. I think that would be very helpful. Mm-hmm. So I have... Um... So my children are almost separated into two different groups, right? We have the older four. Um, our oldest is a senior in high school. Um, and then um, and then our fourth child is almost 12. And so they kind of, you know, they're the ones that are doing online school. They understand kind of what's going on. Um, as far as the fear of the virus goes, I don't think that any of us are really very, you know, um, we have, they haven't been worried about it. I don't think, you know, as far as like, Oh my gosh, the virus is coming and we're all going to die. <laughs> um, and I wonder how much of that is because of, you know, the way that they've been raised. Um, we have been adding. So um, normally like during the winter time, during the school season, my kids take additional, um, I supplement them additionally with vitamin D and beta carotene and then their regular multivitamin, which is the one that we eat is a, that we take as a food-based multivitamin. Um, and so um, they're already taking those um, immune-boosting supplements anyways. Um, so we really don't have, our, our kids don't get sick very often. When they do, we get right on top of it with herbs. And so my older kids know that like, 
they'll come up and be like, oh, mom, my throat hurts. And I'll be like, okay, go take this and this and this, you know, and they'll just go in and start taking whatever, you know, vitamin C and zinc. And uh, we have a couple of formulas um, that, you know, that I say, go take a biodefense or go take the propolis plus or whatever it is that is the formula for whatever their symptoms are. Um, so they're already taking that stuff anyways to kind of build up their immune system. Um, because of the coronavirus, we've been doing a lot more mushrooms this week, the last couple of weeks. Um, we've been doing a lot more cabbage, um, Brussels sprouts, you know, um, cruciferous vegetables or the vegetables that um, it's a family of vegetables, including like cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage. I think onions are also cruciferous. And those uh, vegetables have a lot of nutrients that help um, not only boost the immune system, but also strengthen the lungs. And so, um, so we've been doing a lot of that this week. Um, in the, uh, the last couple of weeks anyways. Um, and then I've also added zinc to their daily um, supplements. So you just, you're focusing on the things that you had already been focused on. You brought in some additional vegetables that have the kind of nutrients that support the immune system. And like you mentioned, particularly supporting the lungs, kept mm -hmm. up their daily doses of multivitamins and D and things that you give them normally anyway. Um, and you have a stash of things on hand if somebody yeah. gets some type of symptoms. And a lot of that is based on your own upbringing and your skills. Mm -hmm. That brings up a really interesting point, though, is, again, going back to first and foremost, it's the foundational pieces of having the healthy lifestyle in place and then doing additional things, some of which you do no matter what's going on, like adding vitamin D, um, yeah. which is a nutrient that most people across the world have difficulty getting enough of because we don't spend as much time outdoors anymore. And there's a lot of um, things that are missing. It's one of those things that are missing from our food supply as our food supply has shifted. So it's always a good idea. Um, I am a huge fan of supplementation. It's what I use in my clinical nutrition practice. And there is a massive amount of, it's really, the supplement world is vast. It's very, very confusing. And there is, a huge variety of quality available. Up until this point, I would always say heavily weighing on the inferior side, so lots and lots of products available, most of which I would not recommend that people take. Yeah. Um, I am definitely seeing, even just in the last year or two, a rise in companies that are doing a really, really good job. So I'm so excited that there's more companies that are on the bandwagon now, and I don't think that they are outpacing um, products that are that are not of good quality, but I'm, it's really really exciting to see so many better quality products coming to market. Something I'm always trying to keep up with. So um, if you want to, um, it's really nice to um, to see that the reason why is because the consumers are getting more educated about about that, right? Yeah. And so that's that's really encouraging to know that people are 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 recognizing the difference in the quality of products and and demanding a better quality product. And that's why these better products are out there now, or more of them are out there now. That's a really great point. And just want to, like, supplements are named supplements because they're not, they're not replacements. So the foundational pieces are still those, you know, the good nutrition, the good quality lifestyle. And supplements are in addition to, like what I was mentioning with the D, 
when we can't get enough because we're inside all the time, that's a supplement. It doesn't mean that you can replace it, any of the good quality food that you're eating. It's meant to be in addition to. And yeah, you can't out supplement a bad diet. Exactly, exactly. There's, but there's a lot of nutrients that are deficient or missing from our food supply because of the way that we farm and ship and prepare. So supplements are an incredibly valuable tool when they're of good quality. And, um, and they can, they're not necessarily risky when they're of poor quality. Um, like the, the, it's the likelihood of them harming you per se is, is, is pretty low, um, but they, they, they can cause some problems in the body for sure. They can increase the level of deficiencies in your body. They can accumulate in your body if they're not breaking down properly. So I just wanted to share that and ask you about some of the, um, the brands that you use and um, if there's anything, we already covered the D and like a lot of people are talking about vitamin C because it's definitely something that you can use to boost your immune system and zinc mm-hmm. and like that. But so if you would just want to um, comment about your favorite companies and products um, and if there's anything that, that you would recommend above what you've already said. Oh, yeah. So, um, so my mom actually started her own company, uh, her own company of herbal supplements because of the quality issue. Um, she has been doing um, uh, um, health consulting for like 30 years. And, um, and she would tell people, you know, oh, go to the store and get this, you know, go to the store and get some alfalfa or go to the store and get some uh, I don't know, wormwood, right? Um, or St. John's wort or whatever. And, um, you know, and then the people would come back a few weeks later and she would say, well, how are you doing? And they're like, oh, I just, you know, I don't know. And she would say, well, what, what brand did you get? And they would just say, you know, like, oh, I got, you know, blah, blah, blah at Walmart. And she's like, no, 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 I told you to get this brand. And I told you to get this brand for a reason. And it's because of the quality. Um, and so she started her own line of herbal supplements and including, you know, we have that line of glycerin extractions that she kind of created when we were growing up. <laughs> um, and so we have um, the name of the company, company is v- uh, Vicki Sorensen's Nature Works. It's vsnatureworks.com. And I use a lot of, so all of our capsulated products that the kids and I and my husband take are that brand um, just because I know the quality. <laughs> um, we also really like the Da Vinci brand. Um, da Vinci is a pharmaceutical grade quality um, product and we use Da Vinci for like our beta carotene that we take. That's another thing that my kids take on a daily basis is beta carotene. Um, let me think what else have I got in my cabinet. <laughs> I have a lot of NatureWorks labels in my cabinet. Um, trying to think um i think that those are the two main ones is da vinci and then uh and pure encapsulations is also a good one um and then nature works so those are i would say the three majority that i have in my cabinet you mentioned the beta carotene a couple times that is the synthetic form of vitamin a correct Mm mm-hmm well, your body converts your body converts beta carotene into vitamin A. So, if you're taking a vitamin A supplement, um, it is possible for your body to, uh, you know, it, again, uh, with some supplements, 
it's better to take something that your body will convert into that than to take that itself because there is a possibility of vitamin A toxicity, especially in pregnancy. And so, um, so we take beta carotene just to, you know, then your body can choose how much it wants to convert and then what it doesn't use, it's water soluble. So. I just want to make a point about that because the synthetic is made in a lab from a non-source usually. And as you're mentioning, when it's from a reputable source and you know how it works and converts in the body, it can be very effective. Yeah. A lot of synthetics um, are made from GMO corn and things like that. And that's the vast majority of what you're going to find, like vitamin C. If it says ascorbic acid on the label, yeah. it's likely come from some type of corn that's genetically modified. And unless there's a USDA organic or non-GMO project verification label on that bottle, it's, it's likely that it is genetically modified. So the synthetic can be a little bit tricky, um, which is why, especially if you're just starting out on a journey, working with somebody who understands the ins and outs of not only the quality of supplements, but exactly what your body needs so that you're not guessing and you're not overdosing or like mm -hmm. I said, likely to cause a problem for you, but if you're going to spend money on a supplement, you want it to be a good quality and you want it to work in your body and get the results that you're looking for. So, um, and you then, want it to be, you know, like you want your vitamins to be food-based as often as possible, right? Your, your supplements, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, if you, so we have a food-based vitamin C that I buy. Um, I do like the Dr. Schultz um, Super C. Um, it's a, it's, you know, you look at the label and it has like fruit <laughs> on the label. And um, I think it has like some, um, it might have jalapenos in it or something, you know, some foods that are very, very high in a bioavailable form of vitamin C. So it doesn't, it doesn't do you any good to take a whole bunch of vitamins that your body isn't absorbing, Absolutely. right? Like you, I'm sure a lot of people have heard that whole, like, you know, it's just expensive tea. Um, <laughs> you need to make sure that it's a bioavailable source. Um, so when you're taking minerals, you want to try to find a mineral that's chelated, um, and chelated means that it's linked with amino acids, so your body can actually absorb it, or find it in a food source. Um, exactly. Yeah, agreed, 100%. As far as when, it, when, when, you, when it's available from a food source, it's going to be something that your body recognizes and utilizes much more easily. And the other thing is, is that the science of nutrition and understanding nutrients is fairly new. And we're still, science is always continuously discovering new nutrients, per se, or new things like bioflavonoids or cofactors. But when you get from a food, if you get like a, a nutrient from C from a food source, you're getting all of the enzymes, the cofactors, the bioflavonoids, all the things, and all the things that science hasn't yet identified that's in there. So you get all the synergy of everything that works beautifully in your body. So it's yeah. a really important point. So, um I just want to wrap things up by asking if you have any other advice. Like if you were to, I don't know, do you have any friends that were, that are fearing, feeling really fearful or panicky or family members because they were raised differently? Like what words of advice do you have for people that don't have that holistic mindset, that haven't had their diets dialed in, that don't know how to use supplements in order to strengthen their immune system? What kind of advice would you give somebody? Like, where do they start? Or how do you get them to calm down or be comfortable with, like, you know, you're, you're going to be able to get through this? Um, so I feel like when you're starting out, that it's really important, especially with your diet, to think of, like, eat this, not that, right? So, like, instead of Fruit Loops, 
get Raisin Bran, right? Like those little steps um, can make a big difference, right? Instead of regular lettuce, get organic lettuce. You know, um, if if you're on kind of a budget, you know, um, I think a lot of people have heard of the Dirty Dozen. They're, um, you know, the top 12 fruits and vegetables that are um, – that have the most pesticides and herbicides typically on them. So, you know, if, if you don't eat everything organic, at least try to get those fruits and vegetables organic, you know, apples, strawberries. I think kale is on that list now, which is really kind of a bummer. Um, lettuce, you know. For one second, because that list is, that study that is pulled together by the Environmental Working Group, and they mm-hmm. just, their 2020 version of that, so you can get that, but at www.ewg.org and Dirty Dozen. So they have a brand new list out there. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. 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 So, you know, start by doing that and start by adding more, you know, do that, do the, you know, it's not a meal if you don't have two vegetables with it. And don't just think about that for dinner either, you know. Um, think about how you could add a vegetable to breakfast. What vegetables could you add to your breakfast or to your lunch or or whatever, you know. Um it's surprising. Green beans actually go really, really well with fried eggs. Who knew? <laughs> um, so, I mean, um, just adding more fruits and vegetables to your diet and trying to make them organic as much as possible. Um, let me think. You know, switching to whole wheat bread from white bread and, and trying to do nut milk instead of drinking milk, you know, or trying to just not drink milk. Or, you know, switching from soda to, like, a um, sparkling water or, you know. Yeah, there are so many simple little switches that you can make that will make a huge difference in your overall health, right? And so these little things is where you can start. Because I know when you tell people, like, oh, you need to eat better, and then they're they're used to, like, macaroni and cheese and pizza rolls and hot pockets, you know, or whatever. They're just like, oh, my gosh, so overwhelming. I don't even know what to do, right? So, like – Add a salad with your hot pocket. <laughs> Start there. Yep. Then once you've got that habit down, right, that habit of eating more vegetables, then switch your hot pocket out for maybe a casserole that you make yourself. And then, you know, like it's an, it's an evolution. And even, you know, myself, like my nutrition has been an evolution. And, um, and it's continuous. You know, I <laughs> we still go out to eat every now and then. Um, not so much right now, but, um, but again, you know, it's the same, it's the same thing too with that. So if you're going to eat out, um, try to support a small local business instead of going like Taco Bell or McDonald's, because not only are you going to get better tasting food, but it's probably going to be better quality. So um, it may not be ideal, may not be perfect, but if you go support your local, you know, little Mexican joint instead of Taco Bell, not only are you stimulating your local economy, but you're probably going to be getting better food. So, um, so yeah, like making those little tiny switches can make a big, big impact on your overall health and your life. And um, so, yeah, that's my – and, and finding someone to help you if, you. if you don't know how to do that, find someone that can help you and guide you in, like, making these changes. Um, yeah, actually, so I I would agree about making little changes like that. And people ask me, well, what they should even like take what you're eating now and make it all organic, or start adding some fruits or vegetables that go with the quality immediately, and then move along little by little. 
Um, and also, I want to add a note about um, there's there's a lot more people that can help you, and there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of people in different camps. So some people are, you know, eat vegan or or eat paleo, and any food plan or suggestions that encourage you to eat real food, especially if it's organic, non-GMO, really good quality, is something that's worth consideration for sure. Mm-hmm. You find, as I did, that you don't fit neatly into one of those little systems and that there'll be some kind of recommendation within that it doesn't work for your body. So I just wanted to add, like, no matter what you're eating, even if it's good quality, if it doesn't feel right in your body, that it, it may not be the right food for you. Like, I don't tolerate nuts and I was eating organic and soaked and all, all of the right things and I just can't they actually cause tremendous pain in my body so listen to yourself as well and then if you're looking you always want to be questioning the resource too not because we're getting information with a lot more integrity and that's mm-hmm. well intentioned for sure but there are still some people that are just trying to make money and um, again they're it's based on their education, and they may not have all of the information they need to actually be able to relate good quality information to you. So you want to make well, sure. Well, and I feel like a little bit of common sense goes a long way. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, you know, any food plan that is, like, super restrictive and restricts, like, entire food groups, um, <laughs> probably not not a great plan. You know, we have all of these food in our foods and our bodies need these foods. But I feel like, you know, um, I feel like a little bit of common sense goes a long way. So, you know, some of the things, I was actually going to write a blog post about this um, a couple months ago, about the things that all of these diets have in common, right? What do paleo and keto and Weight Watchers and, and all of these have in common? And do you know what they all have in common? More fr- More vegetables and less carbohydrates. The American diet is very, very high in processed foods and carbohydrates. And so if you just start cutting back on your processed foods and and refined carbohydrates and start eating more complex carbs, more fruits, more vegetables, um, whole grains, and and different whole grains, not just wheat, you know, uh, quinoa and and buckwheat and millet and, and all of those, you're going to have, you're going to be healthier. And again, yeah. and listening to your body, right? So even me, right. like I, I'm sensitive to gluten, and so it's just not something that I can do. Right. All good advice. Yep. So we have a lot more control over our own health than we've been led to believe. There are a lot of camps, but you're very – everyone has their own innate intelligence, and we can discern for ourselves what feels right in our bodies when it's good quality. It's been hijacked and tinkered with and chemicals and whatnot. It's very, very difficult to, to actually feel if that's a good food for your body. Well, it's obviously not a good food for your body, and then you can't feel whether something else is working for you because you have all those chemicals in your system. Yeah. We live in challenging times for sure, but we are – I feel like we are heading in the right direction, for sure. Um, the amount of resources and better quality products has shifted exponentially since I started my own healing process 20 yeah. years ago. Um, so it's easier now than ever before. And, again, there's a lot more holistic people, um, you know, all kinds of practitioners and health coaches and things that can help people as well. So mm-hmm. you don't have to do it alone, for sure. 
So I want to thank you so much for your time today. Your kiddos were so good. I haven't heard a peep from them. I know. I'm so proud of them. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say in parting? Any words of wisdom? Um, just that, you know, we're all in this together. Wash your hands. Practice social distancing and eat right and you know, and try not to stress too much about this because fear and stress actually does affect the immune system as well. And so, you know, the, the best offense is a good defense, right? So work to get your immune system and your body as healthy as possible. And even if you do come across any disease, it will be less severe. You'll recover faster and easier. And then the other thing, too, is that I actually um, – I have been doing a lot of research in the last couple of weeks and, um, and found that zinc is um, that zinc supplementation in the elderly population reduces their risk of developing uh, pneumonia by like 30%, which is huge. And so if you have somebody that you love that is in a sensitive group, um, I would try to get some zinc supplementation. And again, it probably ought to be a chelated form because your body doesn't absorb minerals without amino acids or not well um or you know eat some eat a lot of mushrooms because <laughs> they're a good source of vitamin d and zinc excellent thank you so much you're welcome thank you so much for being here i would sincerely appreciate it if you would take a few minutes to subscribe to the show and leave a review if it resonates with you please share it with a friend or family member the more people that listen to these important conversations, the faster the collective consciousness will shift, making the world a happier, healthier place for all of us. For more resources on boosting your immune response and maximizing your health, head over to immuneboostinglife.com. 